You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. It's been a fun little uh, you know, holiday season for me, just doing stuff with friends, family, etc. Um, and you know, still have Christmas ahead. I'm excited. I've got some days off ahead of me, so it's, uh, it's been a good time. Plus with me not working, uh, every day this last week, I got to spend a good amount of time, uh, playing some of this new, uh, this new expansion, man. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. So we, this episode is coming out, I don't know, not a full week late, but like half a week late. Um, mainly we weren't going to release an episode on Christmas. Um, and then, or like the week of Christmas, but then a couple of things, we had a complication in my household last week that made it very difficult for me to record. And, uh, we usually record on Wednesdays and we both were so excited and had the little, not a lot of time to play like on Wednesday when the set came out. So we wanted to give it a couple of days to actually play with some of the cards a little bit so that we could talk about them. I don't know, with a little bit of experience under our belts. And I think we both felt like this is Sunday, but we both felt like we have had a, a, like a substantial amount of time to play with the new stuff uh, now. And so we're, we're going to break this episode down into like talking about new cards, new landmarks, and then some of like the reception of the, the overall, like this portion of the expansion, but then like overall, like the Targon region and the call of the mountain expansion as a whole. Cause now, now we have everything, right? Like these are all the cards that we were supposed to have, uh, what many get card games would have given us like right in the beginning. Um, so yeah, so I, I mean, we can talk about kind of like your initial, but what, what were you most excited about for DB? And I'm kind of curious, what was the thing that like, when you saw what cards were coming out, when you booted up, what was the thing you went to craft and try out first? Oh, true to my, uh, love of Noxus. I had to go to ribbon. Sure. Uh, first things first, uh, scar grounds being a close second, but, uh, Riven definitely captured my interest uh, almost immediately, and I started playing Riven with several other things, partly because uh, of the interesting factor of, you know, assembling a blade. just kind of felt like a mini game within itself, uh, and uh, I, I love the level-up animation, by the way, for Riven. But, it's uh, awesome. I also really enjoyed coming up with uh, deck names for my Riven decks, uh, you know, based Ooh. around like riven on a prayer and riven after midnight and riven ret riv uh, <laughs> i was having so much fun with it i made like five decks each with a different pun yeah uh riven was the first thing i went to too i, I really liked riven in lol like there's not many characters that i have connections to because of league of legends um sejuani riven and shivana were like three characters that i played like pretty consistently when I played LOL. So uh, Riven was kind of my go-to as well. That was kind of like the first thing that I wanted to get into. But I thought like before we would dive in, um, you know, before we dive into like the the discussion portion, we weren't gonna discuss this too much, but um, it, it, it definitely bears mentioning, we got a lot of like new cosmetics and cosmetic upgrades to the game. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of new stuff. Yeah, yeah. Have you um, unlocked any? I've unlocked one uh, fancy card. Yeah, shiny card. So like the the sort of like the holographic, you know, the uh, ho- the hollow version of the cards. Yeah, sure. It seems to me it's more of a border and then like a slight reflectivity. Yeah, not yeah, not really card. like not really yeah. animated per se. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, it's cool, but I wouldn't spend my money on it. Like, I'm glad they have it. Sure. Uh, I also was a little and. I guess they have the packs or whatever you can do the quests for, which it got me motivated, man. It did. I played the quest. I'm almost done with another one, but uh, with the expedition one. But uh, I did the one about playing labs, you know? Uh, that's and, the one I uh, haven't done. Yeah. Yeah, I did that one, and I just ran through the like the solo mode lab or where you play as Leona or – Oh, yeah. I just cruised through it. Like It's either Leona or Diana, and you're like – climbing mount targon and facing people or something like that okay um, yeah that makes sense so you're facing like the the a- ai the armature AI is pretty yeah pretty uh the ai is pretty dumb sometimes pretty bad <laughs> pretty bad at the yeah. game the AI. but i think that's a video gaming tradition right? yeah tradition is that ai has to be bad especially in games. games that are predominantly or almost exclusively pvp right, that's right. <laughs> <It's> yeah. <laughs> like there are some games where the ai is really strong and you can set it to be really hard but those are games where it's supposed to be that way yeah in so many yeah. pvp games now like the video games that come out they're not they're really set up more so like it's like a tutorial like all of the ai stuff yeah. is like learning how to play your things in card games it's really about getting your quest done faster is yep really <laughs> that, the only way you play AI. that's what i did um just to guarantee i'd get the win every time so i played through the little thing but um i i got handed i got offered uh three cards and you pick pick one of them yes you know? so that's the way that works if in case you were confused because i was really mm-hmm. confused you open up a box that's like a specific rarity green blue purple gold and you get three options and you choose one of them and when you choose it all of your cards of the one that you chose become prismatic so it's not just like one of them like all of them will become prismatic which isn't i think important to point out yeah and my three choices were all pretty crap which was real a big disappointment if i'm being honest that, i was that i was pretty excited it does stink yeah i mean you know it's it's just it is what it is but i mean my three choices were that uh let me see i'm trying to find it uh the it's like the demacian three drop that let me see i mean this one's not crap i just don't play demacia it was the vanguard sergeant when I'm summoned, create a four Demacia in hand. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, you that, know, and that I'm gets like, played yeah. with luck sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. And so I was like, it was that one. It was uh, Splinter Soul, which is just a kind of a bad card. Mm, uh, that's mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. slow spell, three mana, summon an exact copy of an ally. It's a Femoral and 1-1. One, one. Yeah, yeah, it's not And good. then it was Crumble. And so Did you pick Crumble? I, I picked Crumble. Yeah, I would have picked Crumble. Um, but I, I mean, looking at it like, oh, cool, a little silver frame. That's neat. But I can, I can kind of only barely notice the the effect on the animation thing. And again, like, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. I've seen a couple people play where they have fully blinged out decks, and that's really cool. That looks cool. Yeah, they spent a lot of money on that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. But again, like, the, I mean, we know this. Like, the the whales are out there, and like, yeah, 
they keep the game afloat. So, so whale it up so I can, I can keep playing. So I have three. I have three prismatic cards because I completed the three-part quest that you can run expeditions. And I ran mostly expeditions because I wanted to experiment with Zoe and Riven and Victor. And so um, so my first choice, I got lucky, and I was able to pick Pale Cascade as my common. Oh, that's such a good one. Which might be the best. One of the best shiny cards to get is Pale Cascade. So that was sick. My, my rare is not a card that I would use but it's still a cool one um i got yone Windcrasher or wind chaser rather yone mm -hmm. wind chaser which is the seven mana six six that plays stun two enemies um and mm -hmm. that one's just like a big boy and cool and then my epic one was a little disappointing but let's be honest most epic cards that you could get that are prismatic will be disappointing because most epic cards are disappointing um but i ended up with one that, it's not awful i got devour of the depths um, that's oh, the that's six mana cool. four four deep that obliterates something when it comes into play. Oh, that's not a bad card. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I just haven't played deep. It's been so long since I played deep, right? Uh, um, yeah. So I think that that's really great. part of it. Yeah. I know the cool thing is it prismatics the skill as well. So like uh like the casting know, so of the skill puts that comes out. Little, yeah, puts so a little circle on the board. Yeah, so Yon and the uh and the Devourer of Depths both have prismatic skills. So that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's kind of really cool. cool. So if you guys don't know how it works, so you can unlock these boxes, you will get boxes from like epic quests, like I think it's like once a week or once every month. Um, you'll get some quests that can unlock some new shinies for you if you complete them. You'll also get the opportunity to get the boxes if you place high enough in the rankings each month and i'll be honest i don't even remember exactly uh oh the new rewards are this if you place in uh, the lowest tier iron you'll get some shards you'll get a shards and a common box the next tier up silver is a rare and a common you get an epic and a rare if you get to gold if you get to platinum which is where i have been um which is not high but it's still where i've been you get an epic uh, uh, a rare and a common um and then of course it keeps going up diamond you're going to get an epic and two rares and then if you get to challenger you'll get three epics and there's a chance that they could get upgraded. Like if you get an epic prismatic chest, it's going to give you at least one prismatic epic plus some with some shards, but it has a chance of upgrading to a champion. So all of them could upgrade to a champion, which is cool. And then you can make your own as well by collecting prismatic shards, which is a new currency in the game, which I wasn't thrilled about. How did you feel about the new currency in the game? Uh, I was hoping that we would be able to use our existing shards to be able to shiny, make stuff shiny and pretty. I don't know how to yeah, feel about that. Yeah, I, um, su surprised I am not. Yeah, um, th that's fair, yes. But disappointed, sure. Uh, I, I didn't even know that this was coming out, so I guess it, to me, I'm like, oh, well, it's something new. I can get it, some some of these things, like free-to-play, I guess. But, yeah, there is definitely an unfortunate lack of things to do with shards once you are a invested player that has, you know, gotten their chest to level 10 most weeks. You know, you, uh, especially if you spend any, like, upfront money. Mm -hmm. Any um, at all, really. Yeah, you've pretty much got everything. Like I, I have uh, intentionally not been using my champion wild cards and stuff because, like, I pulled a bunch. I, I mean, I got lucky. I pulled like a couple champs from packs and stuff Ooh, uh, nice. from like opening chests. Um, and I had basically held out, held back on uh, turning in my uh, rewards for the uh, faction rewards. Yep. 
So I had held back on that. And because of that, I was able to just sort of, well, get it uh, all, <laughs> just get it all. And so there's, yeah, there's still some like, you know, epics and stuff that I don't sure. have, you know, but, but really like I'm going to fin- get my last copy of my, uh, the copy of my last champion, um, on this Thursday. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it's like, <laughs> I will certainly get them. I'll, I'll, I'll get them all. I'll fill it all out with, uh, the, the faction roads. I crafted six of the champions and I'm going to get three champions from faction roads at yeah. least. And then I'm, I'm sitting on 111,000 shards right now. So I was Jeez kind of like, Louise. you know, I have everything but a handful of epics and two copies of Zoe. Um, and mm-hmm. I have three of every other card in the game and 111,000 shards. So I'm like, I was fingers crossed. I was really hoping that I could turn those shards even for like a thousand to a hundred or a thousand to one. I don't know. I, I really wanted to be able to turn those shards that I'm not using and probably not going to use into uh, something that could make my deck shinier or some sort of a cosmetic of some type. Um, so I'm a little disappointed they went with prismatic shards. So you can unlock prismatic shards in the same way that we talked about unlocking the boxes. And then you can also shiny your cards with gold. So just like straight up, you can spend gold. I think it's like twice as much as what the wild card costs. So if you spend 300 gold on an etch, uh, on a wild card, like a, 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 a champ wild card, you can spend 600 gold to make a champion shiny. So if you already have the champion, you can do basically what would cost you double real money for the champ you can turn one of your existing champions shiny, um, which would be cool if you had like a champ that you really, really liked and played with a lot. Like I think like Ash would be cool for me to shiny my my set of Ash, being I, I play a lot of Ash. Um, but uh, I'm not like, I'm not also not like throwing 40 bucks at the game just so I can shiny my three at copies of Ash, you know? Like that's, mm-hmm. eh, that feels a little bit icky, especially when I have over 100,000 normal shards just sitting there give me something to do with them and then i might give you more money (laughs) that's exactly where i'm at with it like it's like okay that's cool but it's it's kind of a moot point so yeah uh we got a new guardian we got a robot cat um we got a new board which is like an underworld board that's cool we got some new emotes of course and we got a riven card back as well um Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna lie i think that uh, i think that riven card back and riven emote are gonna end up in my collection yeah Uh, there's some really cool stuff I, i actually if we're talking cosmetics i really really like the um oh uh the the zon uh board like the experiments board you know the undercity uh you mean the new one yeah the new one yes yeah yeah, zon collection it's called the undercity for legends Mm -hmm. who experiment with every possibility yeah no really enjoy that one it's it is really cool cool. (laughs) it is a really cool looking board i feel like that's one that you could match up with a lot of different things too because it has like enough of a sort of like a grungy a mad scientist theme that it doesn't it doesn't feel like it has to be pnz like it feels like it could match up with a couple of things yeah for sure for sure i really uh i really like it yeah <laughs> i really like it yeah. I, i'm gonna buy it I, you know i just haven't <laughs> done it yet it's really just a matter of time it's it's really yeah, just it is so th- i mean they continue to do a really good job with the uh you know with the purchasable non-necessary yeah cosmetics Um, collectibles cosmetics and stuff like that i mean that nothing's changed there that's a that's a good thing yeah no yeah they're they're really excellent i love the riven emote i think the riven emote is is 
really cool. But I have like a collection of like all the cool girl character emotes for whatever reason as well. And like I, mm-hmm. I think they're really sick. So Riven is definitely one that's going to get added to the collection for me. And I do think that the like there's a lot of really cool card backs out now. Um, and I own several, but I, I really do like the Riven one. Also, if you're kind of like a collector at the end of every faction road now, you can now get a icon for that faction. So, you know, there's now, you know, a Noxus, Demacia, whatever, Freljord uh, icon. So if you, I, I mean, I still use my um, my lease in one, but, uh, you know, I, I do like I do like them. They're cool. They, they'd be cool to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think down the road, I'd love to see a... Um like a faction loyalty uh, event or something like that. I think that could be really, really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That some... could be cool. Mm-hmm. Something where you, you could like, uh, you, you would have to choose a faction and you can unlock cosmetics that are specific to that faction. But, but depending on which one you choose, you can't unlock the cosmetics for another expansion for another faction. Like yeah, something like that. That That'd would be, be cool. Like you're going to choose one path and, and you're not going to be able to unlock everything. Just the stuff from the, the path that you choose would be, would be really cool. Uh, but hey, yeah. uh, our Discord league wrapped up. It did. It sure did. Uh, after many weeks of battling it out, including a uh, probably not going to happen again uh, a double elimination bracket, uh, it gave me a headache. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, we uh, we were able to finish up the uh, we were able to finish up the uh, the season championship, two. and so season two wrapped up with uh the winner being a uh an impressive uh coming from a loser's bracket uh position uh a reverse kind of sweep after i think getting knocked down the first round of loser's bracket might have been the second but coming back winning it all the way back up to the top was lungs for hammond users uh so big congratulations big congratulations to lungs uh second place was gibbles and bits Third place, I believe, was Lee Bone. Yep. Uh, and so uh, each of those guys, uh, excellent work. Congratulations. I mean, they battle it out through a Swiss bracket across five or six weeks, then worked their way up through a pretty intense bracket of double elimination. So yeah. those are definitely uh, guys who deserved that finish. Um, I guess uh, we will be giving you guys announcements in the future. Uh, for Legends Cast Discord League Season Three, it will happen. Uh, there's no, uh, we don't no have a date plans yet. to change anything, but it, we don't have a date yet. It's definitely going to be in the new year. It might even be late January, early February. Uh, the original plan, I think, was to start it on uh, uh, at the end of the uh, or at the beginning of the new year, but um, because of the bracket kind of running little long yeah yeah the um, double elimination made it last an, an extra week or so it did and we definitely will be planning to uh, i guess improve on that or maybe change the way we do that in the future but um we're always going to want feedback so if you played in the league and you're listening now definitely feel free to give us some feedback so we can make adjustments in the future absolutely and you announced the first and third place but you didn't announce the second place i i, I think i did oh did you did i not i wasn't listening I, yeah, well, Gibbles, second place was Gibbles, Gibbles and Bits. Yeah, Gibbles yep. and Bits came in second. And he was the one. He went to the winner's bracket up to the last round. And then uh, and Lungs 
ended up going 2-0 in their two best of three matches but it was intense like it was a like people took it way more seriously than i did um either first or second season um like they (laughs) they like play tested like there were guys who like they didn't really play the game much beyond prepping for their match that week like that's what they were doing was working on their lineup i think gibble said he actually played almost a different lineup every single week um Mm -hmm. and, and like kept switching it up and keeping people on their toes and uh yeah it was it was a lot of fun so we're getting out the rewards uh to those guys this week which uh yeah which is exciting so the rewards are going to be going out to those guys this week um the last thing that we have to do is we want to thank our patrons i want to thank everybody who's supporting us over at patreon.com slash legends you guys are awesome you are legends to us and we really appreciate you we had two new supporters this week um trepa t-r-e-p-a trepa m and uh and bryce d uh trepa m and bryce d you guys are awesome thank you so much for your support it's a huge encouragement to both be me and dbm and we really really appreciate you guys there's mm-hmm. like uh i don't know there's like 26 or 27 supporters now which is which is really exciting so that's awesome if you'd like to support the show if you see value you want to give value back visit patreon.com slash legendscast or you can follow the link that is in the description of this episode and uh and that will also link you over to you know our our page and and you can support us over there mm-hmm. so consider you know consider giving us uh 25 cents an episode that's one dollar a month 25 cents an episode uh this month you'd pay a little bit more than that it's like 33 cents an episode but um a dollar a dollar a month uh will get you in uh to our patreon channel and discord so you'll get a special spot there's a special channel for you um it gives you access to the mulligan which is a bi-weekly show a shorter show that dbn and i do exclusively for the patrons you can only access that show if you're a patron it also puts you in a drawing every month to win something and right now we're giving away uh etched glasses or etched pint glasses with the legends cast logo on them and we mail those out to you if you win and this is the last episode of this month so we have to announce our winner for the month of december for the legends cast pint glass in this month's winner is okay cringe lord okay cringe lord um yeah yes yeah congratulations o- okay cringe lord has been a patron uh for since september since september so for quite a while uh patron before we started doing the pint glasses before we announced that so thank you uh cringe lord for your support he's also in our DD groups in the discord um and uh and has been a, a big supporter of us really from pretty early on even though he's only been a patron since september uh has been a, a big supporter of us so congratulations shoot me a message on discord or shoot me an email at eslegendscast at gmail.com we'll get your address and get that pint glass out to you right away i i have to mail i actually still have to mail static sheep's pint glass from last month so i gotta do statics <laughs> i gotta do cringe lords and then i gotta do all of the winnings and gift cards and everything that went with the uh went with the tournament as well so we're 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 emptying lots the coffers of, Lots of busy work uh, and paperwork for us to get done over the break, but uh, yes, it's all, it's all worth it. Yeah, I'm gonna be doing, I'm gonna be doing all of that like in the next two days, gathering all those addresses, going up to the post office, and sending all of that stuff out. So you guys should be getting that stuff sometime in and around Christmas. So uh, you know, happy holidays and congratulations. Um, right. Yeah, you wanna you you ready to dive in and talk about uh, some of these new champs? Oh, most definitely. Let's do nice, it. Nice, nice. Time for the main event. 
Okay, DBN, why don't you run us through? We have uh, one champ that we talked about last week. Victor was on our episode, but then we, of course, got the other two and the release of the expansion since last mm -hmm. we recorded. So why don't you take us through uh, at least one of those two new champions and we can discuss our thoughts on it. Yeah, absolutely. So the uh, I guess the first one I think we should talk about, we, we, we mentioned how we were very excited to play her. That's yep. going to be Riven. Um, so... Uh, just for those of you who haven't gotten a chance to play the new expansion, or just in case you're forgetting the details, uh, Riven is a three-mana champion from Noxus at the 3-4 stat line. Uh, she says, when you gain the attack token, Reforge. Now, Reforge is a little complicated, um, but uh, once you play it, you, you tend to get the hang of it. There are three blade fragments. Um, they each are one mana. They're both. They're all burst, and they each have different effects. Uh, one gives plus two attack, one gives overwhelm, and one gives quick attack. And each of these cannot be cast in combat or in response to a spell. So um, ba basically, uh, as you play these reforged, and it's not quite clear on Riven's uh, stat block, but uh, as you guys play these, uh, you will assemble the blade by playing the fragments i originally thought it was getting them all in hand but no it's it's way better after you've played each of the fragments uh once then the blade will assemble and you will get a copy of the blade of the exile which is a three mana slow spell which grants all of the benefits from each of the fragments but permanently um Yo. so it combines them all but you get to keep it it's very very strong but riven's effect is if the Blade of Exile is in your hand while Riven is up, uh, then you will have basically you level uh, up immediately. Leveled up Riven immediately. Uh, doesn't obviously she doesn't level up in your hand, mm -mm. Uh, but she'll level up uh, mm. on the board and, and hopefully be able to uh, get her into her ultimate form. Now, as far as level two abilities go, it's not oppressive by any means. Uh, but it is cool because it synergizes directly with the blade. So the leveled up, leveled up Riven uh, still does the, when you gain the attack token, you reforge. It gets a plus one, plus one stat line as per the usual. But when Riven's power is increased for the first time each round, you increase it by twice as much. And when you get that big overwhelm quick attack uh, sword on her, uh, especially because once you played it once, it becomes permanent. Uh, overwhelm uh, makes that pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty interesting. Like, suddenly, you 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 play her. You play the blade on her. She's an eight five, right? Yeah, uh, it, right it can really get out overwhelm, of hand fast. Quick strike, yeah. Uh, and, and she could just be that big game, like end of game closer that you know we all want to see, and I think we all feel like Noxus should have. And something that's interesting about Reforge as well, and it, it's a little thing, but a really important thing, is you get these blade fragments in hand, but the next time you Reforge, you get a piece of the blade that you haven't either previously played or don't have in your hand. It says you get a piece that you need when you Reforge. So let's say, for example, you grabbed uh, the uh, glinting blade of fragment, and it gives a plus two, plus zero this round, and you used it. Well, the next time you Reforge, it will remember 
remember that you use the glinting blade fragment and it will give you either the heavy or the keen blade fragment and it counts towards the reforging of the blade of exile so you don't have to cast them all in the same round just once you have casted all three of them you will forge the blade of the exile it seems mm -hmm. more complex to level up riven than what it really is is what i'm trying to point out it's that if you reforge three times you will be guaranteed to be able to create the blade of the exile because you will have guaranteed got all three parts of it and it doesn't matter if you played them on three separate rounds, you will, once you've played each one, the Blade of the Exile will be reforged and you'll get that uh, slow yeah. spell that gives plus two, plus zero, overwhelm and quick attack permanently to one of your characters. So, Well, and there's a little note on the, uh, on the fragment as well, which shows, okay, yes, this has a, uh, um, it's, it has a one of three in parentheses or two of three. And so it mm -hmm. shows you how close you are to completing it. Mm-hmm. And once you've done two, the third one will turn yellow in your hand to show that you're ready to craft and reforge Blade of the Exile. So it, it is what I'm pointing out is that this is easy. And what's something interesting that you actually said, uh, DBN, uh, last time we recorded when we talked about Victor, you said Victor might be the best champion to play on your opponent's uh, attack step. Mm -hmm. sort of at the end of their attack step. Riven is actually really good to play on your opponent's attack step too because she reforges every time you gain an attack token. So if you play it at the end of their step and then it becomes your turn um, and you can open attack with her, she's going to reforge at the beginning of her turn. And I, mm -hmm. I don't know what your experience was, but I think the quick attack version uh, of the, the blade fragment is so strong. Like the ability yeah. to give her quick attack in the early game as a 3-4 like she has quick attack and she has higher stats than Daria or uh, Draven does like at base and you don't have to discard something to boost her stats. I She's really strong if you play it at the end of your opponent's, uh, you know, turn three and you come into four with an open attack with her. Yeah, no, no doubt. And the other thing is uh, I find that the package that surrounds her has been really efficient for me. The, the two mana uh, rune weaver or rune forger or whatever it is yeah he's a two mana uh, three one that just says play one. reforge yeah it gets you one of those in hand really early and the cool thing is so riven it's important to note riven only reforges uh off of the attack token which means uh you know like we said we only get it if we start our turn with it or if we can find a way to get an attack token either through rally or like a scout attack mm -hmm. right um and i did mess around a little bit with the scouts it was okay um but I, I think it should be noted that just getting the the fragments in hand from the other cards in the package is pretty impactful. Like really impactful. Getting actually. quick attack or a, either quick attack or the plus two attack if you know you want to attack and you're hoping to force them to pass if because you know they have something that they don't want to die like a Soraka or something like that. Like having those benefits in hand to support your other early game creatures, you don't have to play Riven on three. If you have enough of the package surrounding it and you're getting the fragments, you don't need the reforge off Riven's ability. You don't need to put Riven at risk by putting her down right away. You can wait till you have Blade assembled and then drop Riven instantly leveling her. And I yeah. love that. 
Yeah, and I, you know, the other card that goes really well with this package is Riven's is the Weapon Hilt card or Riven's Weapon Hilt, which is her champion spell, which reads: mm -hmm. Give an ally plus two plus zero this round and reforge. The interesting part is it's a burst spell, and it can be played in conjunction on your opponent's turn or in in response to an opponent's spell. So this mm -hmm. one is not limited. It's two mana, but it's not limited in the same way the bone the the blade fragments are. But because you reforge, you can actually play this and then also play a shard before you attack so um i have found the weapon help now i played mostly i played a couple games i played garen riven um and garen riven was really interesting because i did have things like uh single combat and stuff uh i think i was even running the new demacia landmark which we'll talk about in a bit and mm -hmm. um and then but when garen when he plays you rally or you gain an attack token at the beginning of every round not just when you're gaining the attack token so that just means that riven reforges on their turn and your turn with leveled up on the board um which i found to be pretty stinking strong um so i didn't get it off too often it's actually not as easy to level up garen as you might think um but it when you play him with the demacia landmark it's actually a lot easier to level up garen because he can challenge stuff and and he's pretty strong in that way so mm -hmm. uh, that's where i played her i'm curious to know what champ you teamed her up with because i've seen a couple of experiments um yes yeah good yeah the uh the build that i started with was garen slash quinn and i couldn't decide which i liked better honestly mm. um yeah i'm not a huge fan of quinn but i could see how she'd be good yeah so i actually think garen's the way to go um but I think that it was in part due to the uh, um, the strength of some of the earlier cards, but, like, before Garen came down. Like, I didn't find Garen to be overwhelmingly impactful. In fact, I was thinking Lux might actually be an, an, another good one to pair with because you're generating all of these extra spells yeah, and stuff that's like true. that. Um, but what was really good was Valor, actually. Valor was just crushing, or not, I guess Valor, it's a blinding assault, which creates Valor, um, was obliterating things because of my ability either to generate a blade fragment through Blade Squire or the Rune Forger or whatever that two mana three one is. Uh, getting the fragments in hand, especially the quick attack one, was allowing me to just clean up aggro decks by putting quick attack on the scouting uh, Valor which would then reforge oh, really if I good. had Riven down. Oh, yeah, that it is was, good. Uh, it was good. Yeah. So you almost don't even need to run it with Quinn. You almost just need to run it with the car that summons Valor. Um, yeah, basically. Like, yeah. I... Uh, I mean, yeah, I, and that's why I put Quinn in, but it, it, Quinn was a little weak on the front end. I was also thinking about running... I, I, I In short, this was not the build that ended up being the most successful for me with Riven, but I think it has promise. It's just one that I felt was like, man, I, I don't, there's a lot of choices and none of them are like really jumping out at me. So I wasn't really sure what direction to go with it. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does. I, but I think that's interesting because Riven with blinding assault would go really well together because you could mm -hmm. put quick attack or bonus attack on the Valor and then gain another attack token and reforge again. Um, which does seem like it would be really good. And because Blinding Assault is a spell, you could actually have Riven on the board and then cast it with spell mana and not have to summon another creature to the board or take a turn doing that. Um, so you mm -hmm. could take realistically, like turn three, if you had skipped turn two, 
you could do Riven and Blinding Assault at the end of your opponent's turn three if you had a couple of spell mana and come in with a Valor and a Riven on the board. Reforge, get the quick attack, attack, get the quick attack, or, you know, attack and Reforge again. Um, mm -hmm. I think that Blinding Assault with... I mean, Blinding Assault has been good a couple of times, specifically when it was being used uh, with spell mana so that you could get your Radiant Guardian down um, that was activated. Um, there was a short time before Radiant Guardian got nerfed. That was really strong. So, yeah, that that's not a surprise. That's that, that's pretty cool. So, I... Yeah, yeah I, I told you kind of like how I played her. Let's, let's talk about... Um, uh, let's well, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Something well, else. Well, I was just going to say, the, the other list that I found pretty effective was actually uh with nightfall and uh, well, i saw Cardon. you playing that on stream actually yeah i played that and my i i so just for context and this actually is one of the things that i'm i'm pretty you know actually kind of excited about when it comes to the um uh, new reward system is that i really haven't felt like i had like it was worth playing ranked for a while uh -huh. Because uh, the rewards weren't that interesting, and I was there like, really I any? Need, I mean, to be honest, I don't need shards. I don't really care about icons. Like, it's not. It didn't feel like it was worth my time. Um, but what's cool is that the uh, now I feel like I have something to play for. So I've gotten uh, over the last two months, I've got fallen all the way down to like dumpster tier bronze, right? Okay. Um, okay. And so I was like playing at, out in bronze and uh, seeing what I could do. Um, and I think that the um, what was it? Um, the midnight. I called it Riven after midnight. Um, <laughs> and with the nightfall, it was really impactful because I had that mix of overwhelm bursting damage, right, mm -hmm. getting damage through off the attacks of overwhelm, and not actually just through Riven and the blade fragments, but also through the five three crescent guardian. Yeah, Crescent Guardian um, is overwhelm. one of the best Nightfall cards in the game, for sure. It, it, it's definitely really strong. You also have the Pale Cascades and whatnot. Diana was doing an okay job against Aggro. It wasn't quite as, uh, as I think, dominating as it might be in a dedicated Nightfall list, you know, with, like, Nocturne and stuff like that. Sure. But it still had its moments of impact. What was really impressive to me, actually, was um, Cygnus Moonstalker three copies of that at the top end with Riven being able to say, okay, you might have some big beefy guys on defense, but I've got Riven here or I've got like uh, a Crescent Guardian or whatever it is I, I have, I have, can usually strengthen their attacks with the weapon hilt, with the mm. uh, blade fragment that gives two attack. I can get the, the stats to win, but I need them to hit the face. So between Overwhelm and handing Elusive to them, or just buffing the Lunari Shade Stalker, there was plenty of ways for me to, you know, burst damage out, and it gave me access to Bastion to protect those threats, which you absolutely have to have right now. And, and if you have Riven, Riven is such a big investment once leveled up because it is your, you know, closer. That's how so you're you going to win the game. You need to be able to protect it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, ba Bastion would really, be really love good that list. for her. Yeah, you definitely want to protect her. I played, um, I played some Riven uh, Taric. Uh, I my my one seven one run in. I won seven games in a row. Well, I had two. I had two seven wins. I had one that was playing just tons of Mistwraiths and Expedition, which is just busted because you can basically get a whole deck of nothing but generate Mistwraith. And then I won seven with uh, Targon and, uh, and and Noxus with Riven and Taric in my deck. And 
and leveled up Tarek on Riven is pretty crazy. I'm not gonna lie. Mm -hmm. Like leveled up Tarek, Tarek with leveled up Riven, like because you can buff Tarek right, and with like uh like blessing of Targan, I hit him with one time. He was leveled up, so I hit him, and then it went off onto my leveled up Riven. So I gave my Tarek a permanent plus three plus three, and I gave my Riven a plus six plus three, and made them both incapable of dying. Um, oh my God. there's a lot of value, a lot of value, uh, coming through those cards. And so really, really enjoyed that. Um, and so I, I, I need to do a little bit more experimentation on the actual ladder with Riven, because I think mm -hmm. that there's probably some decks that maybe haven't been found yet. I, I definitely feel like, I don't know if she's like the state, like a staple in Noxus, but she definitely has brought something new to Noxus, which it really needed. Like, Oh yeah, something really fun, enjoyable. Noxus is no longer boring to me. Like I've never wanted to play Noxus, um, not much anyway. And now I really want to play Noxus because I, yeah, <laughs> really think that Riven is super fun to play. Um, R Riven has been extremely fun for me, and like you said, it gives Noxus a new way to play. Riven feels like both a value generating thing and, you know, because it gives you, it generates resources in your hand. Now they're not, you're not drawing cards. It's not the same as drawing cards, but they do important things. Handing out mm. overwhelm is huge. Handing out quick attack is huge. Getting right? yeah, two attack and is huge. None of it is bad and it all costs it, one mana at burst speed. <laughs> and you can just generate it through your champion, uh, which itself kind of like a Lee Sen thing eventually turns into a win condition. Um, I absolutely love Riven's design. I also think that Riven is great because it can flex with so many other things. Uh, that's what was so impressive to me is that it felt like it worked well with a lot of different champs, a lot of different uh, regions, and I'm just excited mm -hmm. to see where that ends up. Um, I think that there's maybe a whole new world for Noxus being able to play this mid-range style of uh, kind of a beatdown style now that we have the options to, and the ability, especially with a one in three chance, to get a quick attack yeah. uh that's just so huge and that can really open up the doors and I, I can't wait to see where it ends up yeah yeah so the next champion that came out that we haven't talked about yet is zoe and zoe is unique really unique actually so zoe is another one mana champion which we've known like fizz kind of flat never really powerful timo kind of mimi so is zoe the same zoe is a one mana one one elusive so very similar to timo and fizz actually fizz doesn't come with elusive but gets elusive every time you cast a spell she reads nexus strike create a super cool star chart in hand or if you have one reduce its cost by one super cool star chart is simply a two mana burst spell that says invoke a celestial card that costs three or less and if you played a spacey sketcher you will be familiar with what those cards what the card pool is for those and then she levels up when you i've seen you play 10 cards with different names 10 cards with different names something that's important to recognize here is that one of the cards that zoe can get is the two mana give her plus zero plus two in spell shield which is probably one of the best cards to generate off of her in terms of trying to get her leveled up right if you can randomly discover the one that gives her plus two making her a one three with elusive and spell shield she's not easy to get rid of unless your opponent is playing elusives um then when she levels up she's says for the rest of the game when you summon an ally grant its keywords 
to all allies. Then when she nexus strikes, you get a behold the infinite in hand that costs zero. Behold the infinite is normally a two cost. This case would be a zero cost burst spell that just says invoke, which means you're not limited to the zero, one, two, three power creatures and spells. You can now get things like a nine mana giant monster that gives all of your stuff because Zoe's leveled up. Everything gets elusive and fury and spell shield and your win um so yeah. <laughs> she's pretty interesting um i've played her with i've seen some people play with her with aurelian soul and such um i have played her a couple of times in expedition and when she levels up she's strong when she doesn't she's a lot of value it's just like a one mana one one that you can almost guarantee is going to get through the turn that you put her down not always but often if not she's going to eat up removal from your opponent it's not as hard to play 10 cards of different names as you think it might be especially because she's going to be generating cards that are going to invoke cards that you haven't played before so she's not that hard to get leveled up and when she is leveled up she's pretty game ending for your opponent potentially um, I, do, I don't think so I'll just give the, the real quick Zoe I don't think is as strong as Riven I don't know if she's stronger than Victor um, because I haven't played enough Victor I think that she's still very easy to remove and she falls into the same feel of all other one mana one one champions or one health champions and that is that she's just a little too easy to remove for her to feel impactful yeah. in the actual meta really cool though and super fun and i think i honestly out of the three i think she wins artwork for me like out of the three champs that we got i think that zoe's artwork is super fun and super cool yeah i have i mean fun yes uh her voice lines they currently annoy me that <laughs> might change that might change but it's kind of grating a little bit uh, I don't know. I I got. I think like the all the art is great. I love Riven's level up animation to death. It's so cool. It is. Uh, I think Victor has some of the best artwork, like static artwork. I love Victor's artwork. Also, the voice lines off of him and his bots are like amazing. Oh, and the funny. voice lines are incredible. Yes. Ballistic Bot is like my my favorite right now. I love ballistic bots just for the voice lines. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, Zoe's Zoe's fine. From a from a card mechanic perspective, um, I haven't played Zoe yet. I've played all the other ones, uh, but I haven't played Zoe yet. I that's the one that I don't have a full playset of, and I will complete my playset on uh, Thursday. Uh, th on Thursday, <laughs> uh, and so then I'll have all my champions again. So this is interesting because. I think you're right in that it does suffer from its low stats means it'll die oftentimes before it sees enough cards to level. And your opponent also can watch that number go up and at any point, kind of like a star spring situation, say, I don't have to deal with Zoe until I need to stop her from leveling and then it'll reset. Kind of like all same thing with like Twisted Fate, mm -hmm. right? Um, and there's risks to that, sure, but you kind of can like hedge your bets. I've yet to lose to a Zoe list, um, but I think there's some interesting ones out there that I saw on a tier list that, like a perspective tier list, uh, that I haven't run into yet. So I've seen that there's apparently a Zoe sub Percival's deck going around that's pretty interesting, pretty decent. Yeah, I think that might be the most promising one because Subpersible wasn't bad before. Before, 
And I do think that Zoe makes it better. Yeah. Well, Zoe makes it easier for sure. I think you're right, though. I really love the fact that Zoe gets to uh, uh, basically have a uh, spacey sketcher on a spell uh, generated on turn one half the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does seem like every time I run into a Zoe deck, I uh, they always have Zoe on turn one. Uh, just like how <laughs> anytime I play a Teemo deck, I never see Teemo until turn five or six, but that's okay. You know what? <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I won't be too salty about it. Yeah, Zoe's really Zoe's bad fine. after turn one. Like she's she's yeah, she's so okay she on turn one. She's really bad after turn one. You know, well, any one mana, any one mana card is bad on turn one, like off of a top deck. But you can always use it to like supplement other plays and stuff like that. Um, like, okay, I'm playing a four drop. They deal with it now. I drop Zoe. Zoe hits. So you know, I've seen it happen. But I think um, the strength of Zoe is that it plays well uh with a few other things that want to either create cards like victor uh it wants to do celestial stuff like with aurelian soul Mm -hmm. there is enough and the strength of the celestial cards themselves is pretty high so um anything that wants to support this invoking thing i think is good i think flavor wise it's really really cool and well done i like the cards surrounding her the sleepy trouble bubble, the super cool star chart that like, it's just, it's, it's so goofy and fun. And like, there's actually this like uh girl running around doing goofy celestial stuff and just having fun with it. And like, I'm, I'm like, even if her voice lines annoy me a little bit, I enjoy the, at least the, the direction of it. Uh, I think the most interesting one of all of them, frankly, though, of the Zoe support cards, is like spell thief, spell thief really like interests me wait which one is spell thief uh that that's the one mana burst spell where you pick one of three enemy spells played this game and create a copy in hand oh yes and i've had that uh copy like some pale cascades i've had that copy uh the uh uh, zenith blade i had a copy i think what was it um um when I was playing Victor, I had a copy. Oh, I had they copied one of my like a death ray, the the one, and then they were doing the like leveling up the death ray too. <laughs> huh. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. I I just really I think that in a similar fashion to like the nabbing mechanic from Bilgewater, this is kind of like the uh like Hearthstone's priest, where like you're stealing uh like mind stealing and stuff like that this is kind of what it feels like and i think that's cool like copying things that your opponent played i've always felt like is a really neat thing that a lot of digital card games can do that like physical card games necessarily can't not easily anyway yeah and they're they haven't given us a lot of that in this game where in other card games you have you do get a lot more of that they sort of like lean into that um they've leaned into that a little bit more strategically which i think is smart um which i think is smart and i think that zoe is a smart use for that because it's not like Zoe and her package isn't super powerful. Like it's not. Yeah. I, I think there's, I think there was ways to make Zoe that would have made her really unfun, like really difficult to get rid of and really unfun. I, she's probably honestly most fun in expedition because she's a lot harder to get rid of an expedition because your, your opponent doesn't have an optimized deck with, you know, like removal and challenger and, and whatever that they yeah. needed to get rid of her. Um, your, your opponent oftentimes doesn't have the optimal deck. So I actually got her leveled up and won a couple of games with her in expedition where I got them hold the infinite, put down a 
with the leveled up Zoe, put down, you know, some giant celestial that gave everything elusive, you know, put down the Phoenix that gives everything elusive and yeah. then attack with everything. I don't think it, it doesn't give everything elusive. What? The Phoenix? Well, it, no. The Phoenix just when comes you, back to life. When you level up Zoe, every creature that you play after that gives its keywords to everybody oh. else. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's deadly. So I had leveled up Zoe and I got a, a zero cost Behold the Infinite and then played the got a phoenix off the behold the infinite oh, played the phoenix filthy. and gave everything on my board elusive and it's kind of fun because you're kind of strategic in how you play you look and you're like okay i have this keyword this keyword this keyword i want to make sure because the stuff that gets played later won't get all the keywords right so you got to make sure yeah. the keyword that's most important gets played to your board last so everybody so your one of your characters <laughs> might not get overwhelmed or barrier it, it it's fun and you can actually give your whole board barrier with her like a leveled up zoe will give wow. your entire board barrier your entire board a spell shield that doesn't go away it has to get used up on everything um and so it can make this insanely resilient board that's super hard to get rid of which is cool that that is a really cool element to to her and and something that i really like um but i don't think i'll be playing her a lot in constructed but i will definitely draft her an expedition every now and then there's absolutely no doubt in my mind about that <laughs> yeah no that that's a cool that's a cool draft one i mean i've i've drafted uh i did a draft with victor uh lux which went really well mm. i got six wins on that one uh and then i've done a draft with uh victor or no with riven and even riven victor i can't remember who it was riven felt great in expedition mm -hmm. well anything that's that one, over but. anything that's overstated that generates you stuff in expedition is really strong <laughs> this is well and I felt like the like Victor's package, you did kind of have to build pretty strong towards. But um, him in and of himself, he's a great four drop just in a bubble for expedition mm -hmm. because he just generates stats for himself over time. Um, so yeah. yeah, no, it felt uh, the new cards feel pretty solid for expedition. Yeah, and I'll tell you this: Victor is very strong with the right keywords. Like when if you get him and like off the top, you pick up like spell shield and scout. <laughs> it's like. Oh yeah. man, like okay, he's or nasty. Just elusive. Yeah, yeah, just el elusive will do it. There's a lot of things that if you get the right keywords, which it's probably a discussion for another day about like how heavily how how much is RNG influencing the game and is it good or bad? That's a dis that's a big topic discussion for another day because we're going to go to landmarks now and there's a big RNG landmark. Um Yeah. So why why don't we why don't we do that? Why don't we jump over? Let's move on and discuss landmarks. We got a, a handful. We got the Hex Core Foundry, the monastery, uh, the monastery of Hyrena, the Grand Plaza, Targan's Peak, the Scar Grounds. Uh, that was it. Those were the we got one, two, three, four, five. Right? Yeah, we got yep. five before five now. Um, mm -hmm. Have you gotten a chance to experiment with many of these? Yeah, so I played the Hexcore Foundry and the uh, Scar Grounds. I've played against uh, the Grand Plaza, and I've played against the Targon's Peak. Uh, to be completely honest, I forgot that the Ionia one existed. Yeah, it's garbage. It's real bad. It's pretty bad. Uh, I guess they need to learn that like recall isn't that good. It's horrible in a card game. <laughs> Like recall, like bouncing your own things, you need to have a redonkulous payoff for it to ever be worth it. And if they don't print the payoff, 
you're not going to play the enablers. No. And like they keep printing recall related things. And it's like Ionia is just sitting there like languishing, like, why? We want our things on the board. Yeah. Not off the board. If you had like a good card from hand, like I'm even thinking about like the, the claw of the dragon that's like the two mana yeah. three two. If you play two spells, it comes out. If that thing read instead, it was a two mana three two that it will immediately enter board if you recall something, then maybe if you, you had what was it? maybe both yeah it would need a couple of cards like that that uh, that automatically get put to the board or get discounted or gain keywords or whatever when something is recalled you have to have a better reason to recall stuff than just recall yeah. it and you put one to, more level towards yasuo <laughs> you need to you need to print a one drop or a two drop that says whenever i'm recalled deal two damage to you know a random enemy or deal two damage to the opponent's face or do you know you need something that positively impacts your board or something that says a one man or two mana card that says whenever i'm recalled uh give uh another creature your strongest creature plus one plus one something like that where if you have a recall as a cost it's worth paying it because it actually benefits you right um or this, I mean, or I can, this recall needs to reduce the cost of the card that you recalled by two every time you've recalled it or something. Like, But even that, even cost reduction, basically all it does is, is puts you back to square one. Because, like, imagine this. Like, if you have um, – let's say you have a card that says uh, recall me uh, to uh, destroy a landmark mm -hmm. uh, or recall an enemy. Okay. Um Recall me to just that's that five mana one. Uh, recall uh, ally to recall an enemy or uh, destroy a landmark, right? Well, here's the thing you could say if you wrote on that card, uh, the creature that you recalled costs zero. Mm -hmm. Let's say you let's say you did that. Uh, the creature you recall costs zero. There are crazy scenarios where, yes, if you had your that guy that pumps the cards in your hand. That would be really strong. Sure, combo right? goes off of some type too. Right, some sort of combo goes off. But in the general scenario, uh, the more common one, uh, you end up saying, okay, I destroyed their landmark for five mana, and I basically put whatever it was that was on my board back where it came from. So that basically mitigates the cost. So effectively, all you're doing is saying, okay, I have a five mana, kill a landmark, right? In this case, that specific card, obviously not having that cost reduction, it's adding a cost for a mild amount of flexibility uh, that Will of Ionia has. Will of Ionia is just so ri ridiculously better, and that's not even a great card. <laughs> yep. At least not right now. No. So, you know, you, yeah, no, I mean, even reducing costs more often than not without some sort of character that makes it worth it, either off of a very strong play effect or off of an effect that says when I'm recalled. Without something like that in the game, it doesn't matter if you reduce its cost. All you're doing is putting it back where it came from, effectively mitigating that part of the cost. You know, but I mean, oh goodness, it's they need to they yeah. need to change their perspective on it, or they need to rework some useless cards to now reward Benefit you. From it, yeah. They need to reward you for recalling. Yeah, yeah, monastery's bad. You probably well, not gonna see it. Hot garbage. It's bad. Uh, tell me about Scargrounds though, because you played that. Oh, Scargrounds is sick, dude. It's yeah. so fun. So yeah. it's when someone survives damage, you get to give it plus one, plus zero, and tough, and that plus one, plus zero, and tough sticks around too. So yeah. I, I think I saw you playing this with, um, was it Brom Vlad? 
Is that who yeah, you were so playing with? I actually with? have played two builds of this. I streamed the uh, I streamed literally Silverfuse's list uh, minus two cards. Okay. Um, Silverfuse has a great list. You guys can check it out on her channel. We always like supporting Silverfuse. Uh, and her list was actually the one that was uh, uh, used by, I think, Mobilytics and retweeted by the LOR account. Uh, so Ooh. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the uh, It is a basically a, kind of a aggressive slash it's sort of mid-rangey but it really the mid the the higher end cards all they do is they're game closers so i guess i don't want to say it's it's strictly aggro but it is it can play quite aggressive um the idea here is that the scar grounds works great with cards like ember maiden and pretty much everyone is on this on this idea scar grounds and ember maiden is a match made in heaven yes they um, work but of together course, well they're both on three oh, so great uh but of course you also have uh some of the early game cards uh that you would normally play in the braum package like uh you have the omen hawks you have the crimson disciples crimson aristocrat stuff like that which will sort of tick down your opponent a little bit or and or grow in size uh to become mm -hmm. overstated for their cost in conjunction with things like transfusion crimson aristocrat Ember Maiden, you also have the uh, Crimson Awakeners, which is the four mana five five when I'm summoned, deal one to all other allies. Which is if everything so is tough, good it doesn't with Scar do anything. Grounds. Yeah, so oh, yeah. good with Scar Grounds. If if the the dealing if you if everything already is tough and you play Crimson Awakener, Crimson Awakener now reads four mana five five, give all your allies plus one attack. Which is crazy. Crazy That's good. Crazy. Yeah. Oh. Um so I uh, I basically ran that exact list. You're running Troll Chance as a uh, as a combat defensive trick, as well as Transfusions. Plenty of ways to uh, to trick uh, combat with those six uh, two mana spells, and then pretty much else uh, everything else is creatures that either get rewarded for surviving damage or deal damage to uh, allies. Uh, Braum, of course, is incredible with this package. Uh, I found I had several games where Braum just got leveled and won the game. Um, and then you have Vlad, which is a now a good closer because the like the bad part of Vlad, which is that it hurts your guys, is now a good thing because now Vlad, just like Crimson Awakener says, um, give all of your attacking allies to his right uh, plus one attack and then also deal one damage to the enemy nexus. It's drain stupid. one from the enemy nexus. Even. Well, drain yeah, one, yeah, because this up. guy gets leveled up stupid fast. Uh-huh. Really fast. And then uh, Silver's uh, version runs two Scar Mother Vrenas, which is the six mana three eight with Overwhelm that when I survive damage, grant me plus three attack, and one Captain Farron. Uh, I did make one or two changes. I reduced uh, a co like a card in the top end, or the low end, excuse me, um, and I fit in two Ursine Spirit Walkers uh, because I mm. wanted to be able to close out the game a little bit quicker uh and uh giving you there's a lot of times you can get creatures to five plus power but they won't have overwhelm and i yeah. wanted the ability especially with ember maiden being able to tick the opponent's face uh pretty easily and uh, crimson disciple as well before the attack uh i found that ursine spirit walker wasn't too hard to trigger i put two copies in there it, it performed okay i might cut them eventually but i like them for now plus it's a card you really don't get to play very much that's true um yeah, Scargrounds, uh, the Silver Fuses build is awesome. I did also see a different build that I think Matram was playing and had posted, I want to say, in Deck Tech, and I tried it and actually did very, very well as well. And that one is a little bit of a slower list, 
that I think it was Matchroom. Let me just double check so I don't miscredit. Uh, yeah, it was Matchroom, which is Braum and Swain. Um, and using the uh, ability for like Avalanche and uh, Ember Maiden to actually help support your creatures or your creatures be able to survive them hmm. uh, earlier to very rapidly level up Swain. Uh, oh, and yeah. Swain and Braum, right you're, away. Able to, you're able to turn the game and win uh, later on in the match. Um, Ravenous Flock, of course, works great with things like Ember Maiden. Uh, it just doesn't have as many low-cost creatures. Instead, you're trying to win the game through the effects of Braum and Swain and the Leviathan at the end. Scar Grounds just works really well with uh, those board clears uh, to help support, and especially with Ember Maiden. It's just worth any deck with Ember Maiden. It's almost worth running Scar Grounds for the chance that you get to play them together. Yeah, I mean, those two together are insane, right? Just yeah. keep ticking down your opponent's board, never kill your own board. Like, mm. so is this the thing that self harm needed? Like, does this push it over the edge? Like, is it a is it an A tier B tier deck? Uh, it might be a B B tier list. Okay. Um, I don't know what the better version is going to be. I I suspect uh. Swain build is going to be better than a Vlad build, to be honest. Mm. I, I think Braum Swain is going to be better than Braum Vlad. I it's don't think Vlad <laughs> Swain is going to be good. Uh, but, uh, but well, Braum, this Vlad goes so well viable. with Braum. It goes very well with Braum. Oh, it goes perfectly with Braum. I think, I think my complaint, so, so self damage, yeah, is in a much better place. Not A tier, probably B tier, maybe. Um, but definitely a game that uh, definitely a deck that could take games off of good decks, you know. So it's not a it's not a bad deck. It's not a meme deck. It's legit. Uh, I think that what I might be if I'm gonna lodge a complaint here, it's that the best uh, self damage card is in Freljord instead of um, Noxus with Vlad. Yeah. And to be to be fair, flavor wise, it makes total sense. The sure. Scar Grounds goes with Scar Mother and Scar Thane and, you know, Ember Maiden. It's cool. It's perfect. The, you know, this is a mechanic that's designed to bring these two factions together. Mm -hmm. And it's doing that. Um, I think that you there still needs to be something to on the Noxus side to make those uh, Allow you to play it outside of Freljord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're forced. You're. I mean, this this just solidifies the fact. You want to play self damage. You're gonna have to play it with Freljord. Like you just have to. You you have to. Otherwise, what's the point? I think there's also if we look at that list again, right? Um, yes, you get some really great stuff out of like Transfusion, Crimson Disciple, and etc. But guess what? You still have Ember Maiden with Scar Grounds and Avalanche with Scargrounds, and Braum with Scargrounds. The best stuff is still Freljord here. Yeah, um, so you actually I can see a world where you trade out the Crimson package for maybe Demacia or maybe uh, Plunder, you know, but, yeah, because you're able to water. take the face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's just something worth noting there. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played it yet, but I, I do want to experiment with it. It's really fun. Yeah. It's really, really fun. Also three mana, Hexcore Foundry, uh, round start, all players draw one. I found this card to be a bit overwhelming, or underwhelming rather, underwhelming, simply because um, I have found that in the decks that I played it in, I didn't really need to draw all that much in the end, and I never really found a good time to play a three mana do nothing. It actually seemed more expensive than I, for its value than what I thought it was going to. Um, 
I, I don't know. Maybe you had a different experience with HexCore. My initial reaction was, yeah, it's okay, um, but it doesn't really impact the board at all, whereas Scargrounds, the Grand Plaza, both impact the board. It doesn't accelerate my game plan insanely like Targon's Peak does. It's better than the Monastery from Ionia. Um, it's it's probably yeah. better than the the Piltover one. It's it's probably better really? than the University. I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. I prefer. Uh, uh, I, I don't. There's a select seen... place where the University of Piltover goes, and it's better That's there. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. better there. I think that Hexcore, in a gen in a general sense, is probably better than the University of Piltover. But in the discard aggro deck, the University of Piltover is bonkers if you can get it to work. I, I think the Hexcore Foundry is pretty bad. I okay. think that there is a, there might be like a puff caps deck, or a combo deck down the road that doesn't care if the opponent draws. But in pretty much every such situ other situation, um, anytime that someone played Hexcore, I, I was like, oh yes, sick. Especially because uh, you're the first one to. Well, no, yeah, I guess you would both benefit off at the same time. You both benefited off of it equally, but like. Guess what? Here's the thing. If you play with aggro as a way to extend your resources, you could say the argument is, oh, well, my opponent has higher cost of things. I'll be able to make better use out of the cards I'm drawing. That's true. But so is, oh, my opponent has a doubled chance of finding the answers to aggro, the mm -hmm. card specifically that will deal with aggro, an avalanche, a uh, lifesteal card, Withering you know, anything that's yeah. going to help them stabilize, right? And eventually... If you're drawing two cards a turn, you get into the later mana stages. You draw two cards a turn, you're playing cheap guys. Your guys are going to suck compared to the two things they're going to be able to play. Mm -hmm. Right? And then if you're playing it from the perspective of trying to assemble a combo, it's only as effective as how quickly can I get the combo out and how easily disrupted is the combo. Right? So puff caps, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, it might be might be viable in a puff caps deck. They can really throw all the puff caps in, but it's still not going to solve the puff caps problem of well, the puff caps Timo. deck still needs to stay alive. Timo is the is the puff cap. Timo is the problem. Well, okay, Timo is yeah. the problem. <laughs> okay, well, all, I'll all let you your, take up your issues. All there, of your stuff I, is banked on uh, on a one mana one one with elusive, and if you can't make that work, you can't add enough puff caps to ever win the game. So yeah, it's a bad card that still might get broken eventually, but right now there's nothing that can yeah. break it that I've seen. Maybe I, maybe by the time this posts, there will be, uh, and I'll be made a fool of, but. I, I think the card in general usage is terrible. I never want to give my opponent resources. And I think in this game, it's even more damning because there's so many cards in, in the average LOR deck that are intended to be you know answers or counters to whatever you play and go up against. Um, and so you don't have to, usually you don't have to dedicate all 40 cards to a specific game plan. There's plenty of, space in the average lor deck to be able to include uh counters and answers and uh and tech cards mm -hmm. and all you're doing is helping your opponent find those tech cards so blah Ugh. okay well we each of us have played against this next one targon's peak five mana round start reduce the cost of a random card in each player's hand to zero this round um so i have issue with this card not because it's strong. I don't think that it is because it's random, right? And predictability is always important in a card game. Like you you want what you're doing to be predictable. So I had two games. So one game, they played this on five. On turn six, they played Feel the Rush for zero mana. And from Feel the Rush, they summoned a Teemo and a Sejuani from their deck, which were each with 10 tens. 
That did not feel good. Then another game, they played Targon's Beacon. On turn six, I played Leviathan for zero mana and summoned a Swain to my hand, which then put Swain on the board and Leviathan on turn six, which promptly won me the game. So here's the thing. It's not that I'm like, when I go up against it, I'm like, this is ridiculous, this card's busted. It's that when my opponent plays it, I'm like, oh man, I don't know that my skill matters anymore. <laughs> That's exactly it. Like, okay, this game is just chosen at random now. That's all that this is. And I don't mind mechanics like this in labs. I don't like this in constructed play. I 100% unequivocally agree. I think Targon's Peak is going to be nerfed. I real, I am, I am, I feel it in my bones. <laughs> That card is going to get nerfed because it undermines the legitimacy of the game, right? It completely undermines the idea of the game is has expected outcomes that are in, you know inferred by the deck building and the skill of the player. It completely mitigates half of the decks in the game. If you're playing anything past turn five, if you're planning to go past turn five or six in any game, there's almost nothing you can do in time. Similarly to how Freljord has been able to put together win conditions off of War Mother's Call and feel the rush, right? Just by the time you get to that point in the game, those are just such strong, consistent finishers that a lot of decks can't handle them. Well, guess what? Now it's even faster, maybe. Yeah. Right? But but you, the deck builder, you can't, you know, the, the other player can build the deck that runs War Mother's Call, Feel the Rush, Trendomir, Trundle, all the big things that you could be like, oh boy, it's free now, right? But your opponent will never be able to hedge their bets in that way. Mm -hmm. Ever. And like all this. of a sudden, if you're if you're playing aggro, you just, okay, maybe the aggro deck does win half the time, but it completely, in that matchup, completely warps the matchup against anything that wants to go into the mid or late game to the point where it becomes... A, a a coin flip and actually a coin flip weighted towards the person who played targon's peak in an unfair and un, unskilled way it's it's uh it's stupid so okay but it should be noted it should be noted i for day one laughs eh, congrats you made a goofy deck for day one laughs i didn't mind playing against it the first couple times hmm uh, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth time, I was like, okay. Yeah, it's not going to be competitive, but you're going to run into it on ladder from people trying to cheese wins, and you're going to be frustrated when they cheese wins. And you're not going to feel good when you cheese the win because of it either. Um, I will never I – can, I can guarantee you I'll never play this deck. Yeah. I, so, I just won't – what's the motivation? It doesn't – yeah, because it's just kind of like a, you know, a deck that you don't really need to learn anything to do. It's not like – it's not like it requires, you know, that much setup. It's not like it requires you to even play in an interesting way to, you know, survive. It's it's just so yeah. so let me tell you what my primary reason for not loving this card is and it has nothing to do with what it does it has everything to do with lore and this is crazy because i don't know anything about lore except that i am now the lead dungeon master for targon in our DD campaign in the discord and because i am the i am the targon guildmaster and i run my games in targon i've researched mount targon and in the lore people pilgrimage to the top of Mount Targon, and when they arrive, they either see nothing or they see the celestial lights. 
and have the chance to become an aspect, which Diana is the aspect of the moon, Leona the aspect of the sun, Pantheon the aspect of war, Zoe the aspect of trickery. And so I'm like, why? Like there were so many cool things from Targon that this could have done. This could have been a five mana, make your celestial cards cost three less for the rest of the game. As long as this is on the board, your celestial cards will cost three less. Like, Maybe that's crazy powerful, but it's a five mana do nothing on the turn that you play it. And if your opponent doesn't get rid of it, you're going to completely destroy them with your celestial cards. Um, this could have been a five mana choose a champion on board at the start of each round, choose a champion and level them up. Right. That that sort of turns that them. That would have been cool. That would have yeah, been an cool. automatic level, like an automatic like this thing overrides your opponent. Uh, your the, the way that you would typically level your character if this is on the board you have an unleveled character it automatically levels up one of your one of your champions on the board that could have been fun it would have been like they became an aspect right they leveled up in some capacity um it could have it could have you could have played it and linked it to one of your one of your things on board and made it unkillable until you removed Targon's Peak, so it's like a protection. It's sort of like the the eight mana uh, fast spell, unwavering whatever that makes something unkillable. Except you could play this; they could get rid of it once they remove the landmark. But it costs maybe that would need to cost you know six or eight mana or seven mana something. But I think there was so many cool things they could have done with the lore around Targon that they didn't do. And this just doesn't even make any like for me lore wise didn't even make any sense. Like I don't even. I have no clue how discounting mana and making big things free makes much sense. It, it, it could have been limited to just creatures. It's not. I think that would have been more flavorful, if if anything. You know, reducing the cost of a random. Well, the the cap goes down, but it also increases your consistency of being able to target what you want. So there's a weird thing. If they said increase uh, reduce the cost of a random creature in each player's hand, right? then you can build your deck in such a way that it will only ever target Ladros. Yeah, or, oh, you know? uh, that's true. Yeah, just run all removal, Targon's Peak, and Ladros. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Ladros, you you just run Targon's Peak, you run either, yeah, Trendomir or Ladros or whatever big thing from whatever faction you want. You can basically guarantee that those six or eight cards that you put in the deck to be that target are in your hand. Boom, your opponent instead gets their one drop discounted. Uh I don't know if that's worse or better. It definitely is more in a consistent value with a lower cap because you're not getting War Mothers reduced. You're not getting Feel the Rush reduced. I mean, I I mean, how I, I played a few games against this. I got blown out on turn six when they played Feel the Rush mm -hmm. for free, mm -hmm. and then spent six mana. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I got blown out when they went War Mother's Call and and got Trundle on turn five from the initial <laughs> casting of War Mother's Call. <laughs> you know, I, and sure there was there was a game there was a game where I was playing uh, where they pulled um, uh, a uh, was it behold the, the the faces of the old ones I think is what's called. The ramp Ooh. card, the uh, weirding uh, stones, yep, yep, yep. kind of. They pulled that, and it was like, oh, ha, 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 that sucked. And then I, I played my cards, and then they, well, good news. Next turn, they got feel the rush. Oh, okay. so it's like, it's like you have to if you can't finish them really fast consistently, you're probably gonna lose. Yeah, th there's there there's there's a lot of things about it that don't feel great. Um, 
My, and my a, biggest a, complaint remains lore. I would remake this card five different ways before I would make it like this. And I think that you could have learned from other game systems that have done something like this that wasn't well received. Um, yeah. And say, we don't want this card to come in. It, once it's, again, if it's in a lab, I'm fine with it. Perfectly fine in a lab, not in the actual meta, though. Well, what if it, okay, here's, you know, I mean, I just, yeah, I agree. This seems like, this seems like a, I don't want to, I don't want to be overly critical if I don't have to be. I mean, I hate the card, but like, um, it's fun. It's, it's like, uh, flashy. Yeah, you know? it, it is a fun card. Like if you're playing, like it's it, it's fun in some ways for the player. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, losing's not fun. So we we always talk about cards that aren't fun, but you know, it's really. I think there are grades of. There's different reasons why things aren't fun, and losing's never fun. So if a, if a deck's really really strong and consistent, it could be the most fair deck in the game, quote unquote, with the cards it plays. But if it wins more often than it loses, then people are going to say it's not fun. Sure. Uh, but I think there's also the idea of the the sense of inevitability or the sense of i have no uh say in this you know and i think mm -hmm. that's what targon's peak is doing is like there's no i can't manipulate my hand in a way to take advantage to my opponent's not really doing anything sacrificing anything in their hand uh to take advantage i mean imagine if this card said reduce the cost of the lowest creature in each player's hand to zero right completely different. because then it completely changes it, but it still might be good enough to play because the opponents can then build their deck to make sure that the creatures that they have are all high enough. Then they can't, then there's a risk to running things like weirding stones. Then there's a risk to running something, mm -hmm. uh, a low cost creature to survive. You know, you, you hedge your bets and you play Targon's peak and you have to get rid of the cheap cards in hand first. Meanwhile, the opponent can say, Oh, I see Targon's peak. I have, two one drops and a six drop in hand for next turn. Let me get these one drops out. So hopefully my six drop will be free. Then there's some strategy. There's some counterplay involved. Yes. It still favors the person whose deck was built around it, mm -hmm. but, uh, but then, but you your know, opponent can play with it too. Your opponent can play with it. And, and if anything, think about the, how much fun that player that opponent's going to have, if they can manage to pull off at least a comeback or a win or try to do something cool because they said, all right, Targon's Peak, I see you. You know what? I'll try to play that game too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, you can't do that this this card. But we, okay, no. we've said enough. We could get to... We're just going to get me more angry as we talk about it. Um, the, la <laughs> the, the last landmark is is honestly, I think, the best landmark that they've printed. Um, it, it, my opinion... Strength-wise? Yeah, strength-wise, just by far... Maybe not by far, but definitely. definitely the best one they've printed. The Grand Plaza is the Demacia landmark. It's three mana. When you summon a creature, give it... When an ally is summoned... Give it plus one, plus one, and challenger this round. So plus one, plus one, and challenger is bonkers. Um, very, very strong. It's so strong, especially against these really board-centric Demacia decks and scout decks and barrier decks and period. Like, really, really strong. Um, I've also seen this played in something really interesting. BBG was experimenting with it in a Ephemerals Hecarim deck. Um, that wanted to just use ephemerals and sharks and things. Um, I also saw it being used a lot in Lucian Senna, um, along with Shadow Isles. You play Lucian Senna and Shadow Isles, and it helps level Lucian really quickly. Um, also, giving a creature with quick attack challenger. 
so strong. strong so strong and plus one plus one that's that's the part that's kind of crazy to me yeah. of course on your opponent's attack token this isn't quite as strong but we do know that demacia gets attack tokens on your opponent's turn pretty often so i saw this being played with garen because you know you you always have an attack token once garen's leveled up um which is really strong saw this being played with scouts saw it being played with lucian saw it experimented with with hecarim and ephemerals um i think that there are a lot of good applications for this card i played it in uh expedition and it just it just breaks expedition i mean i, I mean so it, good. it's it's the there's rumblings that this might break uh constructed um it's so good dude it's very strong and people are still optimizing but it's it's uh making cards like uh shoot what is it uh the shadow isles card the uh which one there's the i'm looking for it hold on the not onslaught of shadows but the uh i mean it makes onslaught of shadows it also makes the one that summons three one one spirits that's the one really i'm looking strong. for yeah the haunted relic haunted relic haunted is relic busted with this it's ridiculously strong i mean you can play grand plaza on three then play haunted relic get with two spell uh, mana for with two spell mana you get three unleashed spirits that are two twos with challenger it just it's kills like, the early game i mean you win board that that combo yeah. right there is all it just reads always win the board in the early game yeah and and i mean like uh it's anytime anything summoned too so something like undying where it gets summoned back every turn it's always gonna get that plus one plus one always gonna get that challenger right which is uh, what you anything, want on undying by the way yeah is anything like vile feast right which summons a spider boom that spider has two two challenger mm -hmm. right it, it doesn't it's uh you, you run this with vaults every time you summon something oh with vaults it also gets plus one plus one in challenger that's a pretty big uh, commitment but i i'd be it uh, is but you could do it <laughs> here's you, you the could worst try. here's the worst application of the grand plus okay, yeah, <laughs> run it with vaults yeah <laughs> you know it almost makes encroaching shadows seem tempting uh, remind me what a Curching Shadows does. It's the four mana burst spell. Grant all allies in deck in hand plus two plus two, but it also gives them ephemeral. Oh, that does make it interesting. It makes it interesting. I mean, you're never going to be able to keep a board after that. But they're but... all going to have plus three plus three challenger. And, and yeah, and if you have enough cards that can generate, I mean, obviously that card with Undying is pretty consistent for keeping an aggressive attack. You're going to have a harder time keeping things alive to defend with but if you're able to run enough cards that can create blockers some stuff like hapless aristocrat stuff like uh uh cursed keeper vile feast things like that which will summon cards that obviously because they're not in your hand they'll still have ephemeral mm -hmm. uh, or they won't have ephemeral there, there's definitely some some interesting things there uh that's just i don't think it's going to be probably as good as the other decks but just something to think about um you know things like ethereal remitter you know comes down it gets uh, it's a five drop it gets uh it's now five four challenger also you kill something summon a new thing that thing gets plus one plus one challenger i mean it just it's everything that shadow isles wants because shadow isles is able to summon uh things super fast which brings up my like my kind of complaint with it which is this card is better for a different region Oh, okay. Is it better for Shadow Isles? Is that the region you're thinking? Yeah, I'm saying Grand Plaza. Yeah. It is significantly better in Shadow Isles well, than Demacia. 
Yeah, yeah, okay, that's true because Demacia already has so much challenger, right? I mean, I well, think it also doesn't. I mean, it, it can't flood the board anywhere nearly as well as uh, um, Shadow Isles. Shadow Isles can put down tokens, right? That's like true. Demacia doesn't truly have a token strategy like you think it would. You know, you'd think it would have ways to put down tokens, which I think, you know, actually Bones has brought this up in our Discord several times, and I actually kind of agree. Um, you know, I think this is this game is really lacking token, token viable strategy. token strategies, yeah. right? Things where they're putting disposable units out, going wide and putting units that they don't mind if they die, mm -hmm. right? And Shadow Isles is the closest, but usually that's only when they have Ephemeral, which means they don't, they're only there for the turn. They don't yeah, create a lasting... Yeah, they're not going to stick. You're not going to be able to build a powerful board by buffing it right. up. Right, and, and, Sp and Spiders is the closest as well. Um, and, and Spiders, I guess, is tokens, but it's kind of lacking some sort of engine to generate them every turn. If you yeah. had, like, a landmark that generated a spider every turn, that would be, like, what we're talking about with, you know, token generation. Sure. Um, and I'd love to see that. I'd love to see a landmark for Demacia that says generate a, a recruit every turn, kind of like a Paladin and um, you know, Hearthstone mm -hmm. or like, uh, or like um, the willpower cards in Tessel, right? Where you could Crusader could cr generate, you know, one drops or just generate tokens um, things that, you know, and, and, and like the spider that uh, the Noxus one, it's a two drop. It comes down and creates an extra one, right? Or the Navori Brigands comes down and creates an extra one. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't really have anything like that no. for Demacia. The closest thing, I guess, is Quinn, which generates Valor. Um, yeah, and so Demacia's goal has more been like just curve out stuff and then buff the stuff that you curve out, but it's never been really a, a flood the board strategy well, really well. And, and in many ways, playing Grand Plaza actually hurts Demacia inadvertently because you want to play a three drop into your Bannerman. Yeah, yeah, it does. You know, it, this well, is like this. This replaces Bannerman. I think that's why Grand Plaza has kind of seen most of its work. All, honestly, a lot of its work has been combined with mostly Shadow Isles. It's like here's a couple of Demacia cards, and then here's a bunch of Shadow Isles cards. Right. I mean, and that's my complaint about it. I think Grand Plaza is cool. By the way, overall, overall. I am much more impressed with the landmarks of this expansion with the landmarks last expansion. Oh, absolutely. These ones are a lot cooler and and I they they went further with them and I I mm -hmm. think that's a good thing. And I would like to see them go back and say, "Hey, Vaults of Helia, hey there, um, you know, Nox Cry Arena, let's Nox let's Cry give you guys Arena a boost. especially." Yeah. Yeah, I really want Nox Cry Arena to be good, you know. Um it, it, What's really interesting is that in in many ways sort of like uh, the Howling Abyss kind of has a similar feel to Targon's Peak in the fact that it's kind of like a higher cost one that does something random and could could win you the game that way. Kind of like the University of Piltover 2, but not quite so much. But I feel like the Howling Abyss and stuff was so reeled back in comparison um, that it feels a lot better. It feels a whole lot better. Yeah, but I agree. I love what they... I, I think that uh, I, Scargrounds... Scargrounds of the Grand Plaza specifically are really big improvements to the way that they've done landmarks. Yeah. And they were clearly a little more willing to play, uh, to build cheaper landmarks, you know, at the mm -hmm. three cost slot. I mean, Star Springs was two. Okay, sure. And Slaughter, Slaughter Docks was three, three, but Slaughter Docks was so specific of a use. But we got that, four yeah. three costs, like four. That's, that's a, yeah. that's a lot, mm -hmm. you know, almost an entire yes. set of just three costs. And that's um, after seeing, you know, what, uh, two five costs, uh, no, three five costs, a seven cost, 
Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, a three five cost a seven cost and a two. And I'm glad to see that. I think the I mean it's going to be a balancing act for them. I mean they'll look at Grand Plaza if over time it proves to be oppressive. You know they'll probably adjust it. I really think they'll adjust Targon's Peak because I think eventually the frustration with it will outweigh the novelty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a it is it is a really fun card the first couple weeks. <laughs> right, and I I and I don't I'm not I wouldn't put it. And there's uh, Timmy's out there doing that intentionally. I mean, there's something to be said for a hype building card, something that gets people you know opening it up, crafting things, spending uh, money to get coins to craft Targon's Peak because they get to do something you know ridiculous with it. There's something to be said for that uh, as long as they are willing to reel it back once the hype is faded and the consistent players who log in every day start getting annoyed with it. And yeah. maybe it'll prove to not be as big of a deal as it is now. Maybe in two weeks, everybody will have forgotten about it. They won't have to do anything, but something... Something tells me that's not going to be the case. So. Yeah, I suspect as long as it can discount feel the rush, um, it will be a problem, and they'll have to make some changes to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, warm others too. Just the oh, just warm having, others. Is you busted. run. Yeah. You run three copies of both, and boom. Yeah, that's true. Warm others also yeah. would be really strong. Uh, I didn't run into that yet. Just feel the rush, but I'm sure they had warm others in their hand. It just didn't happen to get discounted. Um, yeah. Okay, so there was new decks, new strategies, and we now have all of the Call of the Mountain expansion. So DBN and I are each going to give a couple minute synopsis of kind of like our now afterwards our overall feel of the expansion. Now that we have all of it, um, kind of like what do we think? And of course, in the future weeks, once we come back after the break, um, we'll do some champion spotlights and and we'll talk more in depth with a couple of these other things as well but for now what we're going to do is just talk about our overall feel after the you know the first four or five days of the expansion being out dbn why don't you go first tell us about your overall feel now for this and in all of the call of the mountain stuff showtime you know i think i'm gonna actually have to uh pull out my tennis racket and and volley it back over to you i want to hear what you think first Okay, yeah, sure. Okay, so I'll be honest. I know that we had a lot of people who were kind of critical of Call of the Mountain throughout it. A lot of people didn't love where we where the meta took us and stuff, and, and, and I get that. I get that there were certain seasons that weren't great. I'll be honest with you, though. I have loved the Call of the Mountain expansion sets. Um, I realized that some were better than others. I do think that this release of cards is the better of the two small releases and similar in effect and impact to the first larger release of cards, the initial larger release of cards for Call of the Mountain. Now that could be a little be yet to be seen because we haven't we haven't seen a whole lot. I think that they saved in some ways in Riven especially kind of one of the better ones for last that being said we did get trundle and asol early on too so so maybe i'm not 100 so okay i guess i didn't have my thoughts together all that well i i have really enjoyed call of the mountain overall i have really enjoyed it i think one of the things that has sort of stained people's view of it was not call of the mountain necessarily it was the adjustment to lee sin in the middle of call of the mountain and i think that warped the meta in such a way that it gave people not such a great taste i don't agree with necessarily the slow release of cards like we saw here that being said it gave us something to talk about and gave us something to look forward to and i agree that 
three releases of cards a year is probably a not enough. I think if they released these in one big grouping, but they did four or maybe more card release expansions a year, um, that that would potentially be the better way to go rather than three expansions a year with a spread out release schedule. This is the first card game I've gone through with a spread out release schedule. I know they're kind of going like Magic the Gathering does something similar where throughout the year they release big sets and they're all connected through a block, um, but there are a lot more cards that get released in each of those sets than what we saw got released in these two small sets. When I look over the Targon cards, the stuff that came out in Call to the Mountain, as a whole, looking back on it now, I see a lot of cards that I think were impactful for the game period. I see the Daybreak cards, something that I loved when it first came out. I see Stalking Shadows, something that I loved whenever it came out and something that I'm still playing with now and I still think it's really powerful. I see a, a huge new emphasis on the support mechanic. I see them steering away from the elusives mechanic. I think all of those things were really smart and generated better play. I see the landmarks, some of them hit well, some of them not so well, and I think they need to feel out that new mechanic. I saw an increase in focus on mysteries for Shadow Isles, something that I really enjoyed. When I look at sort of like overall, a lot of the higher cost cards, I'm not super impressed by them, and I do think that we may have had a bit of a problem in some of the cards that didn't come out necessarily in Call of the Mountain, but some of the cards that came out in the, uh, the KDA packs. Um, I think that maybe those cards had too much of an impact and sort of overshadowed a lot of the stuff that we did get in the Targon stuff or in the in the Call of the Mountain stuff. When I look overall at the champions, I think Diana found her place. I think Riven's going to. Leona found a place. Nocturne found a place. Shivana's cool, and I refuse to admit that she didn't. Soraka Tom Kench found a place. Uh, I think Tarek's really fun and cool. Trundle was really strong. Aurelian Soul was strong. You know, Victor, Zoe up in the air yet. We don't really know. But if you look, there wasn't a whole lot of just big fails. Tarek never was real strong. Uh, Shavana never real strong. I'm going to guess, and Lulu was never real strong. Outside of that, Lulu's probably the worst. Lulu's probably the worst. Outside of that, I think each of the champions at one time or another have found a way to shine in a strong deck. And I think that for me, if I look over the course of the weeks that we've been playing this set, that's a huge win for the team. If they look and say and say each one of the champions that we released has found some place to play and I really like this really this latest release of cards I think was really good. Um I really like the latest release of cards. It generated some new decks right off the bat and thought that those decks were fun. I had so much fun playing Expeditions this week. It was a blast. It's the most fun I've ever had playing draft in in a card game. Um, so well, yeah, that's my, that's and my, you had something thoughts. to play for. I think that's something that should be said. I haven't played expedition forever because I didn't have, have a reason to. to play for. I had no reason, especially I, once I, they remove the champion reward out of expedition yeah. shortly after the closed yep. beta. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't barely played expedition since then. And, uh, just, I know this isn't really the reaction, but I think it ties into what I'm about to say though. Uh, yeah. Give me your I reaction and thoughts now. Well, all I was going to say is on this topic, which I think ties in, I think that I was inclined to play Expedition this week, and I had a lot of fun doing it. The game is good. It's a good game. Draft is fun. 
You just need reasons to play. Similarly, ranked. Uh, competitive. I mean, I've played ranked in so many games before. Why was I not playing it in this game? I don't know. Partly time and my schedule, but also the lack of rewards. Yeah. I'm kind of learning. I, and probably a lot of other people, are rewards-driven players. Um, and so if there's anything that I'm impressed with uh, over this entire span of Call of the Mountain, it's been that they have made improvements along with Call of the Mountain uh, to try to increase the meaningfulness of its game modes uh, and of how you collect cards. So I just wanted to just chime in with that real fast because you made a great point about, oh, you played Expeditions. It was fun. Well, it's always probably been fun. There just wasn't a reason to play. It felt like you were wasting time. Mm -hmm. And they're doing a great job of making sure that we don't feel like our time uh, is being wasted playing these alternate game modes. So that's just something I wanted to say that kind of ties in. But when it comes to the set, as a whole, um, this last uh, this expansion here, this Call of the Mountain subgroup, uh, what was it, Celestial Creations or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. um, I think it was the best of all three, including the big uh, initial one. And um, I think that's because the cards in it are all like the big and and. and this is not just the champions, but I think the inclusion of landmarks are kind of like champions. Landmarks yeah. play like champions. They're, They're built, built around, around cards. Yeah. And they provided in this expansion several different and flexible build-around cards that got everyone excited and building lots of different things. They really failed to do that in the second expansion, the uh, landmark one, the, mm -hmm. the um, foundations or whatever that stupid, not foundations. It was, uh, I can't keep track of the names, which is going to bring yeah, me I, to I another think, point I, I later, think the foundations but, was part of, in the name. I think well, it was found, in the name. Okay, whatever it was, um, the one with TK Soraka. Mm -hmm. That TK Soraka was the biggest problem with that expansion. It's not the deck. It's the fact that the build-around cards were already figured out before they came out. Yeah, they no creativity so, needed. No creativity needed. They were so heavily telegraphed. Shivana, you knew exactly what you were putting in the deck day one. I think they refined it to the point now that it's a little bit more viable. Um, but the, the bottom line is you knew exactly what was going to happen with that. Um, and so it, it made the unfortunate situation of, well, okay, Instead of it being, I have a Bilgewater card to build around. I have a tar two Targon cards to build around. I have a, uh, what was the, uh, um, uh, Frailure, Trundle. Trundle. Uh -huh. I guess Trundle was kind Trundle of the exception. A, well, yeah, Trundle was Trundle just was a the good card. Yeah. But, you know, you knew exactly what you're going to do with it. Most of the landmarks weren't playable. Uh, and so you just didn't have much to do. On the flip side, they did such a, such a good job with this expansion, giving people a lot to think about, a lot to play around with, a lot to experiment with, and a lot to talk about. They need to keep doing this in the future to make these expansions feel distinct and important and like an event. And I guess that's, when we look at Call of the Mountain as a whole, that's my biggest complaint. I didn't always feel like it was that big of a deal when new cards came out. Because you were and getting so them in such small chunks. I'm getting them in smaller chunks. I'm getting them more often. And they aren't really marketing it. 
You're not getting card previews from popular content creators like is the trend with. And I think there's a little bit of a there's been a flaw in that in the past in Tessel and Hearthstone, all of them. And I was part of it, not not part of the flaw, but I was part of the preview thing in uh -huh. Tessel. Like I previewed uh, lots of cards. Right. And, and the podcast previewed some cards, too. Yep. It does create a frustrating situation for smaller content creators because it's kind of a you know a a yeah it's a it's, system where if you're big enough you get recognized and you get uh you feel like you're being overlooked or insulted if you don't get one so mm -hmm. there's an issue with it and I, I i don't know if that's why they do it but if that's why they do it i respect it but the bottom line is hearthstone had those big trailers for their new expansions you know um and you have tesla which would have cinematics for their new expansions i just don't feel the marketing push and maybe it's not worth it monetarily but it doesn't build the hype that i'm used to from other expansions when a new set is coming out where you'd get this awesome cool like i remember when cobalt's and catacombs came out uh mm -hmm. for Hearthstone. they had that awesome like song that they had and this uh fun little uh like um uh adventure uh like two minute long thing where it showed the kobolds running around with the candles on their head and it was, it was fun you know and they did a cross uh tie-in where like i think critical role played like a uh a D, D game you know set as kobolds in the catacombs you know and they i just want to see runeterra do that i feel like to get other people like to know about lor to get other people interested and then maybe just to build my hype up a little bit, if I'm being selfish, right? Like I just didn't feel like it was just like, oh, new cards, cool. It sure. almost felt like a, a bigger patch, not an expansion. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, I, 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 I can, I, I completely get that, and I totally agree with it. I, I think that that was part of the problem with the way that they did things, but I do think that this last one was helpful. I, I ultimately, here's the, here's the thing. Ultimately, I just hope that they learned from this, right? Like, I yeah. hope that uh, if I, I, and I think they did. I, I expect that we won't see things to come out in the exact same fashion that we've seen them come out. I expect that we'll see things come out a little bit differently. That's exciting to me, and I look forward to seeing you know how what they do with the future because i think this team has if, if they've shown anything they've shown their willingness and ability to be flexible and yeah, they, and they change adapt. things up they adapt and that is not the case for a lot of teams um that i've no. that i've seen in the card game world um or in the gaming world period and that excites me i, I love i love the fact that the team is willing to adapt i think that's very cool absolutely i think uh if i'm just going to sum up the call of the mountain you know my i guess review my reception of it um gameplay nine out of ten hmm. you know i mean i have really adored what targon has brought to the table and now that it's a complete uh faction i really feel like it stands up and is just as valuable and valued as the other factions that we started with um i really feel like it's unique it has its own aesthetic it has its own gameplay benefits i know that if i want to be able to protect an important creature i need to look no further than targon mm -hmm. you know um but i also know that if i need to be able to push damage quickly uh i probably need to look to maybe a different faction or if i want to build uh you know any sort of like uh if i'm looking at something where i want to have a lot of heavy control elements or interaction with my opponent's creatures i probably need to look somewhere else right and that's good that's what we want and so i again like I can't overstate 
that when it comes to the gameplay, the core gameplay, uh, and the core design, even if there are exceptions to this rule, cards I'm not happy with, strategies that I'm not happy with, uh, the core game design has has really not failed me yet. And I am just constantly excited when I boot up uh, Runeterra to play. And I know that um, I feel, I generally, I feel my skill, my deck building is going to be tested in a positive way. And Call of the Mountains not only didn't change that, but I think it enhanced it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's remained a very good game throughout this it expansion. Has. It has. And so my main, I guess, not even complaints, but constructive criticism would be, I, I would just think that there's some peripheral stuff uh, that maybe uh, could be adapted to better suit that hype building, that community building. I think I wouldn't mind seeing a restructure of the you know three expansion split into two expansions. You know, have each expansion, uh, part one and part two, mm. I think would be a good compromise. I don't think I needed to have an expansion this soon after the last one. Hmm. I think I could have gone another month or so. Gone two pieces. Without, that's right. Uh, I think I could have gone another month or so without an expansion. I would have been perfectly fine. There would have been plenty to talk about. And the good thing is because they patch things so quickly, there is plenty to talk about. You know, they're doing big tournaments now. That's a lot to talk about. We have barely scratched the surface on the competitive scene here on Legends. I haven't like even we, been able to touch it. <laughs> we haven't touched it because there keep being more card releases and stuff. And we know our, our community. And I think that's part, partly some of our, of our community would probably like to hear our thoughts and, and on the, uh, the competitive scene. But mm -hmm. I think that there's a certain amount of know your viewers and know your listener base. And uh, I think a lot of them tend to want to hear our card reviews. They want to hear our stuff. And if that's not the case, guys, of course, give us feedback. We always Absolutely. want it, but that's not what I'm, my point is there's so much to talk about on a weekly basis. I think we could have made it another month uh, without needing an expansion Absolutely. to keep things fresh. There's still a lot of stuff that we had to explore. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, um, that's going to wrap up our main subject of discussion. Um, why don't we work our way out of here? We've been on. We've been. It's almost a two-hour episode, which is great. Um, but uh, let's work our way out of here and, uh, and give some closing thoughts. And I thought I was already perfect. So, guys, once again, our closing thoughts is just thoughts that are closing. Um, but uh, I don't really have anything dramatic. Just, just hey, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We're not going to see you for a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of time off. And, uh, and hopefully that means that DBN and I will get some time to play some games ourselves. Um, so... Uh, yeah, Merry Christmas. Have a great holiday. Uh, if you celebrate the holiday, if you don't, you know, still have a great season. Um, we'll be back in, uh, in 2021. Have a great new year. Here's to hoping that 2021 overall is a little better than, uh, than maybe what 2020 brought with it because 2020 was quite the year, um, to, to be doing anything. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's all that I really have to say. Uh, thank you. Thank you to all of our patrons and thank you to all the people who've supported us so much over this past year. Thank you to our community. Our community is incredible and has been so incredibly supportive of what we're doing and, and we really appreciate them as well. So, uh, I mean, DBN, I'm sure you would, wouldn't mind thanking them as well. Am I right? Oh no! So you guys uh, don't what you don't know, my uh, my lovely listeners and and uh, and whatnot, uh, is that I did uh, at the Thanksgiving episode have a really nice soliloquy about how important you guys are 
and how much I appreciate what you guys do Ooh. as listeners, as Patreon supporters. And uh, then Mark told me about 20 minutes later that he had forgotten to press uh, record. record. Uh, so that got lost in translation for Thanksgiving. So to make it up, let me just say, um, honestly, guys, uh, in the chaos of uh, everything that's been 2020, and honestly, just with my life, you know, changing so much over the last year, I mean, it really has. My parents moved out of the area. Uh, you know, I have a wonderful girlfriend now that I spend a lot of time with. And, um, you know, I have a new job. And now I have two jobs, you know. Uh, everything has changed for me. I moved twice this year. <laughs> it's um, crazy. Which is, it's nuts. And the bottom line is, uh, the Legends cast and the community around it has been this major tether for me to my passions hmm. um and has been just this source of joy that the i i don't i don't look i don't look at facebook i don't scroll facebook i scroll our discord um, <laughs> yeah so uh too. just for context uh just being able to get on do this and and just the fact that anybody would care what i have to say uh is just so flattering and i i just i can't say enough about how pleased i am um that this community you know, came and built up around us and now is even just supporting itself. Yeah. And and has been so supportive of, of really every member who's joined the community as well. Um, which has been huge. It's been so huge to see us uh, be able to welcome people in um and to be able to to care for the folks who've come into the community. Um it it, it has been it's been a really powerful and cool season in this past year of doing Legends Cast. It was about this time last year that we were doing episodes covering random things because we really didn't know what we were going to do next. <laughs> like, yeah. um, it has uh, the, the, the podcast and the community has just gone through this like incredible metamorphosis from one year ago. Yes, it's so different. I, now. I just it's so it's magical. It's the season of it's a magical season and it's been a magical year uh at least when it comes to uh what we're doing here at legends cast and i just uh it's been a big positivity a uh, big beacon of positivity for for me at least so yeah yeah and we 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 love you guys we're so thankful for you so thank you for being so supportive of us whether you've joined the discord you've left a rating and review you've supported us on patreon you've been there for us or other community members whenever we needed it you've listened to the show you've told a friend about the show so many of you have done something um to to make legends cast what it is and we really appreciate you so merry christmas happy new year thank you for listening and we will uh, we'll see you in the new year. Happy New Year. 2021, baby. 2021. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.